0: Greetings, fellow Wayfarers! This is Thomas Salerno, and you're listening to The Perilous Realms, a podcast that chronicles my adventures at the crossroads of Christianity and fantastic fiction. I'll be bringing you reviews, commentary, and discussions of fantasy and science fiction from a Catholic Christian perspective, and maybe even a look behind the scenes at my own original fiction projects. Thank you for embarking with me on this quest to the frontiers of imagination. Okay, just a few announcements uh, before we get started. Just in case you uh, missed this week's blog post on the Perilous Realms Substack page, which uh, can be found at thomasjsalerno.substack.com, I wanted to let my listeners know that I have moved hosting of the podcast feed from Substack over to Anchor, which you can find at anchor.fm slash so if you want to copy the RSS feed into your podcast listening app of choice, you can do so there. I will still be posting links to the new episodes via Substack for the foreseeable future. It's just that the, host, the show will no longer be hosted via Substack. Uh, I'm still learning the ropes of hosting and producing a podcast, so uh, thank you all for your patience as I get things sorted out. And also just to remind you that The Perilous Realms is currently available on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm hoping that uh, by the next time you listen, uh, the show will be also be available on Google Podcasts as well. Also, by the time the next episode comes out, I plan to have launched a Patreon page for The Perilous Realms. I'm still hashing out ideas for patron benefits, but... They'll probably include early access to episodes or maybe a patrons-only Discord server or something like that. Um, Maybe patron-exclusive polls for future episode topics. That'll be fun. Uh, Things along these lines. So uh, stay tuned to this program and to the Substack newsletter for all the latest updates on the Perilous Realms Patreon. And uh, after the new year, very exciting plans, I plan to start bringing on guests for the show, including Christian sci-fi and fantasy authors and creators. I'm already in talks with uh, several amazing people who've expressed interest in being on the show, and I love these kind of conversations. So, again, these interviews should begin coming out sometime after the new year and the craziness of the holidays and all that stuff is over. So again, stay tuned for all the latest updates. And finally, I love feedback. So please, please comment on the show. Uh, Let me know what topics you'd like to see me cover in the future. Uh, Constructive criticism is also welcome. You can contact me by leaving a comment on my Substack page or by filling out the contact form on my website at thomasjsalernowrites.com. Dot com, And also, if, if you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, please rate the show and leave a review. It would really help me out. So for today's topic, I wanted to talk about my favorite author of all time. You know him. You love him. J.R.R. Tolkien, author of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and The Silmarillion, undoubtedly the most influential fantasy author of the 20th century and indeed of all time. You know, uh, fantasy fiction has never been the same since J.R.R. Tolkien started writing and his influence is still massively felt. Uh, Again, he's he's my favorite author and the theme of this show is Tolkien and me. I want to talk about how I first became acquainted with the works of J.R.R. Tolkien and the influence he's had both on my personal life and on uh, my life as a writer so it's uh, it's interesting i first became aware of jrr tolkien when i was 13 years old i was in 7th grade at the time i just started my parents had just started homeschooling me and uh, a a year earlier in the 6th the grade uh, my last year in public school uh, they had had us read the first harry potter novel harry potter and the sorcerer's stone and Unlike a lot of kids in my generation, unlike a lot of other millennials, I was less than impressed with Harry Potter. It's not like I had anything particularly against it. It's just that it didn't grab me in the way it grabbed a lot of other people. To me, it was just, okay, he's a kid going to a magic school, but it's still just a story about a kid going to school. And... You know, I wasn't particularly fond of school because of bullying and other things. So for for me, Harry Potter just didn't provide that sense of escapism, I think, that it provided to a lot of other people. Um, But in any case, I had, you know, pretty much been turned off to to those kind of stories by Harry Potter. Um, The only other fantasy, really, that I had read up to that point was C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia. And, and that had been a while ago. I had read them once, maybe twice, and, and hadn't picked them up since. So at, at about this same time, so this is around the years 2000, 2001, the, the Peter Jackson movies are coming out. And there's a lot of publicity around them. You start to see merchandise. You start to see um, magazines in, in, the, uh, in, in the supermarket promoting the movie, you know, newspapers and stuff like that. So uh, one day my my mom comes up to me and she hands me a magazine article. And it's frustrating because to this day, I cannot remember the name of the magazine or the title of the article. I believe it was our local di- uh, diocesan Catholic magazine, the Long Island Catholic. It, it may have been that, but I'm not sure. Uh, in any case, the, the, it was an article about J.R.R. Tolkien and the Catholic themes in The Lord of the Rings. Because if you know much about J.R.R. Tolkien, you'll know that he was a devout Catholic. And even though unlike his friend, C.S. Lewis, he wasn't really fond of allegory and putting explicitly Christian messages into his work, Catholic and Christian themes just pervade the legendarium. They just pervade The Lord of the Rings. Like, If, if, if you know what to look for, they're there. And this article kind of detailed that. Now, remember, I, I had just been severely disappointed by Harry Potter. And I I took one look at this article. I I distinctly remember there was there was an illustration of Gandalf, you know, complete with flowing grey beard, grey robes, pointy hat, wizard staff, and I I I rolled my eyes and I went like ugh. Wizards again, and, you know, just giving a little sass. And and my mom was like, now, you know, Thomas, this this isn't the same as Harry Potter. This is something different. Why don't you just read the article and tell me after that if you think this is something you may be interested in reading? So I'm like, okay. And I, I take the article, I read it, and I was actually really interested. I was like, huh, this sounds different. This sounds more mature than Harry Potter. This sounds, you know, something that I would be interested in checking out. So as as soon as I could after that, I I went to our nearest bookstore, which at the time was a Borders. Uh, Borders doesn't exist anymore. But anyway, I, I went to Borders and I got copy, paperback copies of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Unfortunately, I, I don't have those particular copies anymore. I, I don't know what happened to them. But anyway, I, I devoured those paperbacks. And then soon after that, in fact, it may have even been before, I listened to uh, the recorded books, unabridged audiobooks of the Lord of the Rings on on cassette tape. Remember those? The, there was the little jingle at the end of the t- when it was time to to flip the tape over. But Anyway, and, and those were narrated by uh, the incomparable Rob Inglis. And uh, I actually have those audiobooks today on, on the Audible app. I listen to them all the time. They are my go-to audiobooks to listen to, which means I have read The Lord of the Rings via audiobooks so many times that I have, I have lost count of the number of times I've gone through the whole trilogy um, with Rob Inglis's audiobooks. They're, they're great. So be because of those audiobooks, be because of the paperbacks, you know, I just love them. I was enthralled immediately. And one of the things that really brought me in was the attention to detail in Tolkien's world. Middle earth is utterly believable. You know, it, it has its own detailed geography, cultures, languages, flora and fauna. And I, I love that as as especially as uh, a history buff, someone who's into geography, who's into natural history. I love the fact that Middle Earth felt like a real, living, breathing world. I I, I was transported, and it, it offered really new vistas for my imagination. the 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 themes of the stories it it changed my perception of what was possible in fantasy fiction. It got me hooked on the idea of the hero's journey and you know what what that it was possible to tell these heroic stories in a mature and serious way but without losing the sense of wonder and awe and magic you know th- there's really no other fantasy realm like middle earth and i I was just captivated. Now, but before this time, and it's interesting, I should say also that I'm I'm different among Tolkien fans in that a lot of people enter Tolkien's world through The Hobbit, and then they move on to The Lord of the Rings. I'm the opposite. I read The Lord of the Rings first, and then later I went back to The Hobbit. And you'd think that maybe The Hobbit would have disappointed me after reading The Lord of the Rings because it's so... Obviously, a children's story, and the 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 tone is very different from the Lord of the Rings. But but no, it wasn't the case. I love The Hobbit. To this day, I love The Hobbit, and I think Bilbo Baggins is one of my favorite Tolkien characters. You know, I'm I'm also a huge fan of uh, Merry and Pippin from The Lord of the Rings, and I kind of go back and forth between whether they're my favorite characters or whether it's Bilbo, but. Uh, I I love Bilbo Baggins. I identify a lot with him, especially because you know he's he's this guy. He's he's settled down into his ways. He's clearly an introvert. He loves reading. He loves maps. He loves history. He loves stories, but he just wants to stay in his little hobbit hole and kind of hang out. He he's he's a little bit afraid of going on an adventure, as he would say, n- n- nasty, uncomfortable. You know, inconvenient things, he calls them. And then Gandalf just kind of bursts into his life, you know, and sends him on this unexpected adventure, you know. And you, you see Bilbo's growth through the, the, the course of the story. In the beginning, like I said, he's very introverted. He's kind of self-centered. He's He gets cross and petty, but, you know, as, as the story goes on, Bilbo becomes a genuine hero. He rises to the occasion and he finds out, he he discovers a side of himself that he didn't know he had, this heroic side of himself. And I've always found that really inspiring. Um, Just as somebody, you know, who's an introvert, who likes staying at home, and who has struggled with finding my place in the world and discovering vocation and my true calling and stuff like that. So I, I find Bilbo to be a very relatable character and a very inspiring character at the same time. So anyway, you know, I, I, I loved the Hobbit and then later, you know, I, I finally got the courage to tackle the Silmarillion and the Silmarillion is just beautiful. If, if, if if you've read the Lord of the Rings and you've loved the Lord of the Rings, Please, please, please go and read the Silmarillion. It will—because you, you know how in the Lord of the Rings, there's all these references to, like, earlier lore? You know, Baron and Luthien are mentioned, Turin, Turambar, Beleriand, the Wars of the First Age, the Fall of Numenor. All this stuff is kind of referenced throughout the Lord of the Rings. And you're like, wow, what's that? You know, through—whether it's other characters telling stories or through songs and poetry— if you read the Silmarillion, you get to see all that stuff. You get context for all those interesting references. And then it makes going back and rereading the Lord of the Rings a whole new experience. Because then when you read those references to Baron and Luthien, to Turin, to Gondolin, to the fall of Númenor, you're like, wow, that's what they're talking about. And I won't spoil anything because the Silmarillion has a lot of great moments and you really need to experience them without being spoiled. so I, I won't mention it. So but so Tolkien's legendarium is just huge. And then of course you have things like the Unfinished Tales. you know, you have all his notes that his and earlier drafts that his son Christopher collected into the the history of middle Earth series. you, you have collections that are still being published today, you know, the the, uh, the nature of middle Earth and now most recently uh, the fall of Numenor. Uh, which covers all of Tolkien's uh material from the second age of middle Earth so yeah it's just like the, it, it it's almost unending there's always new stuff for you to discover you know it's not just the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit there's so much and you know it, it it's why I love Tolkien it, it's why I love this world and you know I'd always I'd always been a voracious reader as a kid I I was reading. Michael Crichton in the fifth grade, which I really shouldn't have been because his his techno thrillers can be violent and they have bad language. But I was always like way ahead of my peers in terms of like reading level. so i've I've always been a voracious reader. I've always been a storyteller. and i've I've wanted to be a writer for for some time. You know, when I was little, I you know, would write, my own stories, I would draw my own little comic books, you know. I love storytelling. I loved imaginative play. And I, I had thought about being a writer for some time. Um a lot of my early attempts were incomplete. They 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 weren't very serious attempts. They were some, you know, fragments of short stories and and little one or two page comics that I had drawn. Um, but after reading The Lord of the Rings, I knew that it was my vocation in in some fashion to be a writer, to be a storyteller. After I read The Lord of the Rings, I wanted to craft a beautiful tale after the fashion of my new literary hero. And I wanted to share it with others. And I, I held on to that dream for a while. I, I didn't do much with it. Um, you know, I've always had a hard time with imposter syndrome and anxiety you know i felt like oh well i'm not talented enough and when it came time to choose a major in college i i didn't go into literature or english or anything like that instead i chose to follow my other great passion which is the natural sciences i studied anthropology and paleontology i got to work with fossils i even got to Um, satisfy a lifelong ambition to to work in a natural history museum, the the natural history museum that I went to as a kid, the one in New York, the American Museum of Natural History. But through all this, I, I, I couldn't shake that desire to write. I couldn't shake that feeling that I wanted to be a novelist or at least a storyteller in some form. And, you know, over the years, my love for Tolkien's work has just grown. It, it His writing is just so beautiful. I've gotten a greater appreciation, especially for the bittersweet moments in The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and for his poetry. You know, his his writing has helped me through some tough times, you know, helped me manage anxiety, feelings of depression. You know, there's, there's just some great moments in The Lord of the Rings and... And I'm, I'm, I'm going to spoil part of the ending, but if, if you've seen the Peter Jackson movies, you know which moment I'm talking about, which is when Frodo leaves Middle-earth at the very end and goes with Gandalf and the elves to the undying land of Valinor where he can be healed finally of his, his poisoned wound and his psychological trauma. And Gandalf says he, something to the effect of, you know, Here we are, dear friends, and here at the shores of the sea comes an end to our fellowship in Middle Earth. Go in peace. I will not say do not weep, for not all tears are an evil. And whenever I hear that in the audiobook or read it in the the, the print book version, I I always tear up. I always—I'm an emotional guy anyway— but I, I I always tear up at that moment, you know. There, there are so many great and beautiful quotes, you know. One one that was recently featured in uh, the new uh, Rings of Power streaming series from Amazon Prime, they they repurposed a quote that the Hobbit Sam Gamgee uh, expresses to himself when 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 he's in Mordor and he's seeing the the great fumes of the the volcano Mount Doom be kind of broken up by the winds. And he he's able to see the stars. And the narrator says that Sam realized that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. And that's just so beautiful. You know, the, the, the themes of hope and endurance and perseverance and that, small people can can make a difference in this world you know all all these things i love and many people love about tolkien's writing and and the lord of the rings so you know and i and these are themes i've wanted to include in my own writing as well now of course you know like i said i was working uh, at the american museum of natural history but then the pandemic hit so the internship that i had at the museum uh, didn't renew after the pandemic. And I was out of a job. And frankly, I was out of excuses. I had already be- begun writing professionally a little bit. I had had some articles published. Um, my first was on uh, Voyage Comics, a great website. They're a small Catholic publisher. They publish comic books and now uh, young adult novels and and, and other, other great, great stuff. And it's all done in kind of the spirit of Tolkien, so I had written some articles for them. I started to write for uh, w- a Word on Fire, which is Bishop Barron's apostolate, his online apostolate. And so I had run out of excuses, so I started writing more. I started writing professionally. After a while, I started to get paid for my work. And I wrote a lot about fantasy and science fiction and comic books and how all the in all these things we can find seeds of the gospel. We can find common ground between nerd culture and Christianity. Specifically, I, I come from a Roman Catholic background. But both from a Catholic background and with Christianity in general, we can find a lot of common ground um, and I was focusing really, too, on the kind of wonder and awe of fantasy and science fiction. So I wrote a lot of these freelance articles and essays, and I used my free time to, to write some short stories. Unfortunately, I haven't had any of them published yet. Um, and, and I really do want to write more fiction. The, the freelance writing has taken up most of my time but i'm really hoping that in the next year in in 2023 i can really get working on fiction again cuz like i said i have this desire to to be a storyteller and um uh, these unpublished efforts they they were good practice but i became restless and and really kind of a bit obsessed with writing an epic fantasy novel on the model of the lord of the rings you know I, I felt the, the, same, the same kind of things that Tolkien felt himself. You know, there's, there's a famous quote, um, I believe it's in his introduction to the second edition of The Lord of the Rings. Tolkien writes that he felt, quote, the desire of a tale teller to try his hand at a really long story that would hold the attention of readers, amuse them, delight them, and at times maybe excite them or deeply move them, unquote. And I I, I felt the same kind of thing. I I wanted to imitate my literary hero. I wanted to write a grand fantasy epic. And while all this is going on, of course, I'm not just writing. I start podcasting. I was brought on to uh, the StarQuest Network, SQPN. Um, I did some podcasts for them, and I started uh, co-hosting The Secrets of Middle-Earth, which is uh, one of... They're actually oldest podcasts, but it's been on hiatus for a while, but they brought it back to uh, cover Amazon's Rings of Power series. And we had a great time, myself and my co-hosts, uh, Thomas Sanjurjo, Jeff Hecker, and Caitlin Facista, who you might know online by the handle Tea with TeaWithTolkien. Uh, we've had just a a lovely awesome time talking about the rings of power, reviewing each episode and we're we're going to talk about all kinds of other Tolkien related topics in the in the months ahead. It's it it it's just been a great experience. And and that helped give me the confidence to start my own podcast, to start this show. If I didn't start podcasting for SQPN, I probably wouldn't be speaking to you right now. And I found SQPN, I got in touch with them through my friend, Mike Creevy, because I was on his show, The Gracious Guest, and I had gotten in touch with him to see if he wanted to talk about the the freelance writing that I was doing. So you see all these connections, these kind of providential connections where you see the way God was kind of working in my life and leading me towards these opportunities to talk about Tolkien, to write about Tolkien, to write and speak about fantasy and science fiction in a fun engaging informative way but still again i i felt that desire at the same time to write a fantasy novel and again i became a little bit obsessed with some of tolkien's more obscure writings including a story of his set in middle earth called the new shadow and that story can be found in i believe it's volume 12 of the history of Middle Earth. It's called The Peoples of Middle Earth. And you can find the New Shadow there. And what The New Shadow actually is, is get this. It's an abandoned sequel that Tolkien began. It's basically the first chapter of a sequel to The Lord of the Rings. And it's it it's it's very different. It's at this at this point, I think it takes place a hundred years after. Frodo and Aragorn and all the others, you know, defeated Sauron. And the elves are gone. There's, there's no mention of the dwarves or hobbits, so I don't know what's up with them. But it, it focuses on men. It focuses on the men of Gondor. And at this point, the War of the Ring is beginning to fade from living memory. You know, much like World War II is fading from living memory now in the real world. And people are starting to forget the heroic sacrifices that were made to rid middle earth of sauron and there are dark cults springing up in gondor devoted to sauron worship and it's it's like there are these plots to overthrow the monarchy and replace it with something more like you know what was in númenor before its downfall and in, in fact, the, the, the story the, the, the first the what exists, which is like I said, essentially the opening chapter of this novel, revolves around an older Gondorian and a younger Gondorian who are having this philosophical discussion about the nature of good and evil, and the younger man basically insinuates that he is a member of this dark Sauron cult. And the older man, at, at this point, after learning this, he enters his house, and it. it the, I'll read the ending passage for you, because the story actually ends on a cliffhanger. And the the older man enters his house, and so it goes. Quote: He entered, wondering a little. He called out, but there was no answer. He halted in the narrow passage that ran through the house and it seemed that he was wrapped in a blackness. Not a glimmer of twilight of the world outside remained there. Suddenly, he smelt it. Or it seemed, though it came as it were from within, outwards to the sense, he smelt the old evil, and knew it for what it was. And that's how the story ends! It, it just ends there! And it's like, what? What did he find? What was there in the house with him? And and you're you're just left with all these questions, you know. Um, and and I, I started doing more research in into some of, you know, his 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 lesser known works and and, and into the new shadow. And I thought, wow, he he left this unfinished you know, perhaps I could write a fantasy novel that would explore some of these themes and match this darker, grittier tone of the master's abandoned novel, you know, but, you know, soon I, I got frustrated. I found I wasn't anywhere near ready for such an audacious undertaking. I ran into an impenetrable wall of writer's block and creative dead ends and 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 but you know it, it it still sticks with me that that idea of a world after a heroic fantasy story has ended after the de- what happens after the defeat of the dark lord what what is the world like you know people do do people give themselves over to cynicism idleness ease you know like do they forget Do they forget about Frodo and the Ring? Do they forget about the heroism of Aragorn and all the others? Like, what happens? You know, and that fascinates me. This this idea of what occurs several generations after the end of a story like that. Now, of course, a sequel of that kind could be disappointing to people. I mean, we all know how sequels go. You know, very few sequels live up to the potential of their predecessor. I mean Lord of the Rings itself is a sequel to The Hobbit. And it's it's a far superior sequel. But Tolkien himself basically thought that this story, The New Shadow, would have been too depressing. It would have been too dark. It would have undermined the victory of Frodo and Aragorn by bringing some lesser evil into the mix that has to be defeated. And it, it, it's not like he could bring Sauron back either, because then that would have completely upended everything that Frodo and the others had fought for. So Tolkien himself ran into a dead end with this story. And, this, you know, that, 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 that should have given me uh, a clue that, like, hey, Tolkien himself found that this kind of story doesn't go anywhere. Maybe... Maybe there's a good reason for that, you know, but, uh, but I still think about it from time to time that that, not that I would actually write a sequel to the Lord of the Rings, you know, like fan fiction or something, but that I would write a fantasy story set in this kind of situation where, you know, the Dark Lord has been defeated, but kind of now what, what, what happens, you know? and i've i've always been tantalized by that i've I, you know ever since reading the new shadow i've been tantalized by that and i actually wrote an an exploration of this story of the new shadow for voyage comics which I'll, I'll link in the show notes so so you can read it but you know all writers we pass through an imitative phase you know and i've begun to take to heart that as much as any writer adores his literary heroes, he, he can't be them. I can't be Tolkien, obviously. I'm not a genius-level writer like he was. To truly grow in the craft, you know, a, a writer needs to strike out on his own. He needs to find his, his own story, his own unique st- style, voice, you know. I, I needed. And I still need to step out from under Tolkien's shadow. You know, a lot of fantasy writers haven't. You know, go to any bookstore, browse Amazon. The sci-fi fantasy section, you will encounter a library's worth of Tolkien imitators. You know, both famous and and not so famous. And you, you know who they are, you know. And I, I think the key is that Middle Earth grew out of Tolkien's passion for languages. He invented the the Elvish languages first, you know, and and his expert knowledge of philology. So, you know, what we as writers, we need to mine our own experiences, our own uh, passions, our own knowledge about particular subjects in order to craft our own new worlds, new heroes, new adventures, you know, and I'm, I'm. It, it's a process that I'm still learning. You know that that 13 year old, who first discovered Middle Earth, is is still inside of me. That kid who fell in love with high fantasy, thanks to Lord of the Rings. And if I can tap in, to that young teenager's passion and enthusiasm, then I might find my own or my own sense of originality i might find my own story you know and really sci-fi and fantasy is boundless there's there's so much more that can be done outside the kind of tolkien mold you know and as much as i love middle earth and i love tolkienian fantasy in general you know there's so much outside of it you know it uh, i'm i when i think of the science fiction and fantasy genres i'm reminded of bilbo's famous song from the beginning of the lord of the rings the road goes ever on and on down from the door where it began now far ahead the road has gone and i must follow if i can pursuing it with eager feet until it joins some larger way where many paths and errands meet and whither then i cannot say you know, the, the road goes ever on, you know, the, the road of creativity, the, the realm of science fiction and fantasy. It goes on forever with all these branching pathways, innumerable, you know, surprising detours. You know, you, you never know what unexpected journeys you'll land in if, if you really start mining the depths of your subconscious, the depths of your passion for life. Again, as one of my favorite quotes from Bilbo Baggins is, you know, you step into the road and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. And, you know, my journey as a writer really is, is just beginning. You know, I've been a professional writer for almost three years now. And as a fiction writer, I'm still a novice. There's, there's no knowing. I can't predict where the road ahead might take me. But I can't wait to find out, and I I hope you'll share the journey with me. And before I end, I I just want to thank J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, and his son Christopher, the late Christopher Tolkien, for preserving the legendarium for us, for bringing us things like the Silmarillion. You know, again, Tolkien is my favorite author, and... The Lord of the Rings has had such a massive impact on my life. I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't be the writer I am today. I probably wouldn't be a podcaster without his world that he created. And we're going to be talking a lot about Tolkien, a lot about Middle Earth here on the Perilous Realms. And while I don't want this to be a completely Tolkien centric podcast, Uh, we will be talking about The Legendarium quite a bit. And in fact, uh, my plans for the future, my immediate plans, include I want to dive into the book that partially inspired this podcast, inspired the name anyway, and that book is Tales from the Perilous Realm, which includes a lot of Tolkien's lesser-known short fiction, in his, his shorter fantasy stories. And a lot of fans don't really know about this. And I think this would be a, a cool book to explore over the course of several episodes. And I think um, it, it might not be the very next episode, but one of the episodes in the immediate future, we'll be discussing... Um, Tolkien's seminal essay on fairy stories, which is included in Tales from the Perilous Realm as an appendix. So I hope you'll join me for that adventure. So that's it for this walk in the perilous realms. Thank you so much for joining me. In in the show notes, I've included a link to my essay on Catholic World Report, entitled The Road Goes Ever On, where I write more about my journey with the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. There's also links to my article for Voyage Comics about Tolkien's abandoned sequel, The New Shadow, as well as a link to the anthology book, Tolkien and Faith, uh, where that article uh, also Appeared in. I've also included a link to the StarQuest Network podcast, The Secrets of Middle Earth, where I'm a regular panelist. Please visit anchorfm Thomas Salerno, where you can subscribe to the show either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And you can subscribe to the Perilous Realm newsletter, which you can find at thomasjsalerno.substack.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Salerno underscore Thomas. And I'm now on Instagram. At Thomas J. Salerno Writes. You can visit my webpage, thomasjsalernowrites.com, for all the latest updates on my writing and podcasting. Please join me next time, where hopefully we'll begin our journey into Tales from the Perilous Realm with a discussion of Tolkien's essay on fairy stories, or whatever topic. Uh Is next up here on the Perilous Realms. Thank you once again for listening. I'm Thomas Salerno, and I'll see you on our next adventure in the Perilous Realms.